A very warm welcome to you from Equa Marketing. This presentation is brought to you by Equa.com, a leader in digital marketing. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another amazing episode of the Growing Dentist Podcast Show. This is Naren, your host and the founder of both GrowingDentist.com and Equa.com, a full-service digital marketing company. Today, I'm super excited to have a dear friend who I've known for at least five plus years now, Dr. Howard Ferran. Of course, you all know him. His name is like the most popular name in dentistry. He's the founder of Dental Town, a dentist of more than 31 years. He also is the publisher of Dental Town magazine. I can spend like 10 minutes just telling you a lot, lot about Dr. Fran, but I'm not going to do that because you already know him. And I'm sure you have also heard of his new book. Um, and I'm going to let him talk about his new book because it just came out. It's called Uncomplicated Business. Dr. Fran, welcome to the show. Hey, it's a huge honor to be on your show. Thank you so much for inviting me. And I'm not sure if you are the 100th episode, but you're definitely up there. So I'm really excited that you said yes to and, you know, spending the time with us and helping our listeners. So thank you very much, Dr. Fran, for taking time to do this with us today. Hey, the honor and privilege is all mine. So before we jump in, I'm just curious because um, I just ordered your book, uh, Uncomplicated Business, and I, I don't have it just yet. So for those of us listening, can you kind of tell us a little bit about this book you wrote recently? Well, you know, it's kind of an interesting journey. I was, uh, I, I'm 55 right now, but um, when I turned 50, uh, my oldest son made me my first grandchild, and it was little Taylor Marie, and I sat there and thought to myself, you know, my dad and both grandfathers, all three died at the age of 61, the same age as Anthony Bourdain, and I thought, you know, um, I don't know what Taylor's going to be. I don't know if she's going to be a dentist, own a restaurant, own a dry cleaner. I, I, I don't know what she, maybe she'll be a manager in some company. I don't know. So I thought, you know, I've lived half a century at that time. I had a uh, MBA. My business did a million dollars a month. And I thought to myself, I'm going to sit down and write little Taylor Murray a business. So I, I've had a monthly column in dentistry called uh, Howard Speaks in March of 1994. Now it's 2018. So I did uh, every one of those columns. I put them on the front room floor and looked at them and I took out all the root canals, fillings, crowns, all that stuff. So I didn't know what business she'd be. And I wanted to make a total neutral, just business. And I realized that in business, you only, you only manage three things, people, time, and money. So I wrote the book and then the secret to writing is rewriting. I think the first draft was 600 pages. I got it down to 400 on the second draft. The third draft, I got down to 200. And it, it's just, it's just a summary of my uh, first half century and the reviews have been on Amazon. It's pretty much all five stars. I think I only have one four-star reading. And uh, I'm really proud of that book. And I want you guys to read it because I'm pretty sure Taylor will probably never grow up and read it. So who knows? She'll probably think it's too old by the time she's uh, in the ages to read it. But, um, yeah, I just love the book because, you know, when I got out of dental school, I didn't realize how much business knowledge I had learned. Uh, from my father, because my father was in the Sonic Drive-In franchise. He had nine Sonic Drive-In franchises around Kansas. And I um, sit there, you know, we were always, you know, um, going to KAKE and making television commercials, radio, picking locations, managing people, going to Carol's accounting. I mean, when I was 11 or 12 years old, I knew the difference between a statement of cash flow, a balance sheet, and a statement of income. And then I got out of dental school and, uh, you know, I spent four years with 120 of the smartest people I'd ever met in my life. And it was amazing to see how they floundered because 
if your mom and dad were employees, um, you, didn't, you didn't understand business. But if your mom and dad owned a dental office, you were a leap ahead. If your dad and mom owned their own dairy farm, cattle farm, wheat farm, restaurant. And so I, so I, uh, I thought to myself, uh, you know, way back in the day, I wrote a book, uh, you know, probably 20 years ago called The Business of Dentistry. And then I eventually got my MBA at Arizona State University because I didn't know how much of what my dad taught me was, uh, well, I didn't know the right terms. I mean, little things like uh, he called uh, it the uh, bare ass minimum, but, you know, in MBA school, they call it the break even point. So they, basically the MBA cleaned up a lot of my dad's profanity. And um, I just think business is really simple. And when you look at the fact that 3% of Americans are millionaires, 3% of household incomes are over a million dollars. Um, hell, you only got to make like 460000 a year to be in the top 5%. And you look at these dentists who know calculus and trig and geometry and the periodic table. I mean, these, these are some of the smartest people I've ever met. And they just, they, they make so many bad decisions because they don't know business. And then when my dad was in the uh, franchise business, I mean, he had friends that owned a hundred Sonic drive-ins, a thousand Sonic drive-ins. So I grew up with all these multi, multi-millionaire franchisees and we'd go skiing and fishing and hunting and all this stuff. And I didn't think they were very smart at all, but they just knew simple business. I mean, you have, you ask one of them boys, how do you become a millionaire? They say, well, you buy a million of these for a dollar and you sell them for $2. I mean, it's just so simple in their brain. But dentists just overcomplicate everything. They overthink it, overthink it. And then next thing they know, they're, they're stressed out and miserable. So I just thought, you know, I, I've, I've had it a passion. You know, I, I never wanted to go out there and teach root canals. I think endodontists should do that. I don't really want to teach implants. I think even though I'm my diplomat in the International College of oral implantology, my fellowship in the missions too. You know, I think it should be a periodontist, prosthodontist, oral surgeon. And the, but the only thing that I really felt like I was special, specialized in that I could uh, share knowledge was, was the business of dentistry. So I've been on that uh, passion for 30 years. And when dentists make more money and they make more net income, their stress level goes down. So, you know, dentists are stressed out and um, it's really easy to unstress. Just uncomplicate business and do everything faster, easier, higher quality, and for more profit. So that, that's my, uh, that's my spill. Absolutely. And, and the book's also on audio, just like these podcasts, these pod, this podcast is audio. Um, I, I'm amazed at how, you know, when I graduated from college, if you would have told me about this iPhone, I would have thought uh, that was something I saw in the Star Wars movie in high school. But now these guys, these dentists have an hour commute to work and they just loving audio. So, you know, I have the book. I sat down and uh, read that book five hours into a computer. And so just like this podcast is available on audio, but just, you know, just get your house in order. Get your business profitable. Reduce your overhead. Make net income. Then go out there and be happy and play in dental land. But if you're behind the overhead nugget, if you're not making money, if you're short on cash, it, it just makes so much stress. And also, it's a hell of a lot easier to be a millionaire than it is to master root canals, fillings, and crowns. I can assure you that. I love uh, your mindset. You know, I built a business from nothing into 180 people, and you are absolutely right. We complicate things. We, we, we think things are harder than they are. And uh, life is a self-fulfilling prophecy. If you think it's easy, it becomes easy. And uh, thanks a lot for taking your wisdom of 30 plus years 
and your dad's wisdom, you know, of 30 plus years before that, and kind of condensing it in a short read, um, you know, and like you said, uh, I'm a big fan of Audible. So uh, where you can listen to things on the go and you can, you don't realize it, but you just can finish a book or a podcast while you're working out or driving to work. Right. And you know, it's, it's, it's a curse in dentistry, just like it is in politics, because the really simple people who aren't that smart, they're, they're just simple and they're so confident and sure of their decision. But the smarter you get, the more unsure they are. Like you, you, you take simple, simple farm boys. I mean, they, 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 they won't budge. It's just like this, this is it, black and white. But when you get to become a physician, a dentist, a lawyer, you overthink everything and then you're not sure yourself. So it's almost like the less smart you are, the more sure of yourself you are. And the smarter you become, the less unsure of yourself. So it's kind of uh, crazy how that works. But I can assure you that anybody who learned uh, Sir Isaac Newton's uh, principal Mathematica in 1686 and mastered in undergrad, business should be a piece of cake. I mean, that is, <laughs> it's so much easier to learn business than calculus. Absolutely. And, uh, and like you said, it's based on these simple ideas, simple principles. And another principle that changed my life is from Dale Carnegie. He said, the world is full of people who are grabbing and self-seeking. In that world, the rare individual who focuses on helping others get what they want has no competition. And a classic example I can think of is you, uh, Howard. I mean, you're sitting here. I'm not paying you. Nobody's paying you. You're spending your time trying to help people. And, uh, and that's what life is. You know, it's about helping others get what they want. And the more you do that, the more successful you become. You run one of the largest, if not the largest, you know, dental community on the planet and uh you spend a lot of your time helping others you know a lot of it it, is just that simple you know do you think in fear and scarcity or do you think in hope growth and abundance and i'll I'll give you an example for your listeners right now um it really drives me crazy when these dental students come out of school three hundred fifty thousand dollars in student loans they don't want to go learn root canals or implants or whatever and they get in airplanes and fly across the country and go to these $3,000 a weekend courses. And I'm like, dude, you're in Salina, Kansas. There's four periodontists and four oral surgeons. They all do implants. Why don't you just drive across the street? No airplane ticket, no nothing. And the first thing they think is, well, why would the periodontist or oral surgeon want to teach me how to do implants? Because then that will take away from their money. And I say, yeah, exactly. If you think in fear and scarcity. So if you go across to the periodontist and say, Hey, when I have no patience on a Wednesday afternoon, can I come over and learn uh, perio implant surgery? And if, he, and if he's all like, well, no, I mean, that's what I do. You should restore the tooth and I should play. Well, he thinks in fear and scarcity. And that was the best contact you ever made because now you can cross his name off for eternity because you don't have time to be around toxic people. And then you'll go to the next very honest and he's just like smiles ear to ear. He thinks in hope, growth and abundance. He wants a friend. He wants a referral. He's welcoming, come on down, I'll teach you everything he knows. And that periodontist knows that that young kid's starting to place the implants, going to do simple stuff like first molars or second maxillary bicuspid. Those are no-brainers, but they're not going to want to do all on fours. They're not going to want to do an anterior incisor on some beautiful woman with a high lip line. And he thinks, I'd rather have 50% of something than 100% of nothing. And now they're buddies and they're friends. When I got to, when I opened up my office in 1987, you know, I just left 
all these amazing people in my dental school, my UMKC class 87. So I was like running across the street, running to meet all my new dental buddies. And half of them like literally slammed the door in my face like, well, you shouldn't have gone here. We didn't need another dentist. There's already eight dentists on this corner. And then the other half were like, come on in and went to their house and charcoal hamburgers and drink beers. Well, 30 years later, guess which dentist were the debt-free millionaires who are happy and love dentistry every day? And guess which ones were just miserable? Miserably right. financially, miserably professionally. So, you know, life's short. We all retire to the same size casket. I mean, um, you know, it, it's the same thing with um, 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 everything in, in life. I mean, you, you just don't go around thinking in fear. You think of abundance. I mean, a rising tide lifts all boats. There's enough for everybody. And dentists don't compete against the dentists across the street. They compete against houses and cars and trips to Disneyland and VCRs and all these gadgets and trips and i mean i mean you know the biggest joke in my office is you know they said you know i'm in phoenix i'm not in scottsdale i'm not in paradise valley i'm not in sun city i'm, I'm in phoenix arizona hell in my five mile radius of my office one quarter of the people speak spanish as a primary language and we always joke and tease like how come all the people that spend all their money on beer cigarettes and lottery tickets are always whining about how much the cost of a denture is don't they realize that all the money they spent on beer and cigarettes is why they even need a denture. But but you don't but you don't think judgmental. You think relationships. We're all people. We're all complicated, and um, it's all about relationships. Relationships with your staff. And, and right now, I think the most confusing thing for the young dental students is they're sitting there thinking, well, you know, when Howard got out of school, all the pharmacists owned their own business, and now they all got rolled up into Walgreens and and CVS and and now the DSOs are taking over and blah, 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 blah. And is there a future dentistry? And it's such an insane argument. The greatest thing about being 55 is you've seen rodeo, you know, several times. Like, like when I graduated from high school, it was 1980. Interest rates were 21% and unemployment inflation were double digit. Well, I survived it, but it was really bad. But it makes you realize that sometimes things are really, really bad. Then I graduated May of 87. And October 87 was Black Monday. So I saw it again. I opened up my practice right in front. I got it open a month before Black Monday. And then <laughs> I watched the um, internet bubble, the Y2K from 94, and then it parked in March of 2000. The NASDAQ went from like 5,800 to 1,200, went through that. Then I, uh, then I saw the, the Lehman Brothers Day, I think it was uh, August uh, 15th, uh, 2000. Um, nine and saw the whole thing collapse again. So I've, I've lived through four ups and downs. And now, 10 years later, right now, it smells exactly like it did in 2009, in 2000, um, in 1987, 1980. And, and I, I don't care because I don't care what happens to the stock market. In the end, we're always drifting forward with stocks, bonds, economy. It's two steps forward, one step back. But look at the dental industry. When I got in dental, dental school in 1987, um, Orthodontic Centers of America was rolling up all the orthodontists. They made it, they're the only ones, they're the only DSO ever that made it to the Newark Stock Exchange or a dozen on NASDAQ. And what happened to every one of them? They all spectacularly imploded. And then they were gone for 10 years, and now they're all coming back. But isn't it funny how old dogs like me know what's going on and wall street knows what's going on and wall street wouldn't touch those guys with a 10-foot pole not one of those dso's could go to nasdaq and do an ipo and i'll tell you why 
imagine Shark Tank. I go to Shark Tank, and I'm going to um, say Mr. Wonderful because you're from Canada, and Mr. Wonderful's the only bald guy, so that's got to be our combined favorite. And I go to Mr. Wonderful, and I say, Mr. Wonderful, I want a million dollars. And he says, for what? And I said, well, I'm going to go buy a dental office just like these big DSOs. And he says, okay, and what do you, then what are you going to do? How do I get my money back? Oh, I'm going to come back next week and buy another million-dollar dental office. He's like, okay, but how do I get my money back? Oh, well, I'm just going to come every week asking for another million dollars. Mr. Wonderful said, get the hell out of here. These people couldn't go public. You know, what a business, you'd borrow a million dollars from a dental office, for, from Mr. Wonderful. You'd buy a dental office, and it makes so much profit that in two or three years, it turned into two offices. Then in two or three more years, it doubled into four, then the eighth, then the 16, then the 32. That's how all the publicly traded franchises work. You don't see that in dentistry, and you know why? Because there's no dentistry. The game isn't in scales of economy of officially buying supplies and, and getting a reduction in your lab bill. That, that has nothing to do with dentistry. Dentistry, we sell the invisible. It's all about trust, and no one wants to talk about trust. No one wants to talk about the pure data from Gallup that shows that Americans have had about an 11% approval rating of their government for over 25 years. They don't want to talk about the fact that when a woman's engine light goes on and she goes to the car dealership, she knows that guy thinks it's the idiot light, and she doesn't know if the battery just needs replaced or it's the alternator. But when that man comes out and says, you know what, we need a whole new alternator, a hundred percent of American women, their first thought is, I wonder if that's even true. Her air conditioner goes out and she calls, um, she calls um, the, the air conditioner repairman out here at uh, George Brazil. And the George Brazil guy comes out and says, you know, I can't fix it with a shot of Freon. You need a whole new air conditioner and it's 10 grand. Her first thought is, I wonder if that's even true. There's no trust. In, in, in modern day capitalism, there. Why do you think Google reviews are so important? It's a social karma of validating someone um, because they're all alone. I mean, if I went to a doctor and he said, "Howard, you have to have your appendix removed or your gallbladder removed," I mean, I'm at the mercy because you're selling the invisible. So the reason none of these DSOs are going to make it, and the reason every one of your viewers can make it, is if they go on a deep dive. My book was People, Time, and Money. You always talk about people and time and money. You and I are on the same page that, but let's just deep dive on people. I mean, they come in, you go into these DSOs. What, what does the American say? God dang, every time I go in there, it's a different dentist. The average DSO in America is only keeping their dentist for one year. I mean, are you out of your mind? You sell dentistry. And, and, and when you go to a pharmacy, you just want your 20 tabs of penicillin. Hell, if you go to France, they have ATM machines where you insert your, so, your, your healthcare card, and then a bottle comes down, pills come out of a hopper, throws a label on there, and the machine is actually made in Scottsdale, Arizona, right where I live, but they can't sell them in America because of the pharmacists that took all the laws. But the bottom line is nobody, nobody cares. But when I go to a dentist, I've got to trust you. And I can't trust a dental office if they can't even keep their own dentist. And when I go in there and see the dentist, I mean, I, I'm, I'm contacting so many people. The person who answers the phone is probably the most important. When they come into the dental office, that's the first person I see. And then is, is, is the, are they going to give me a tour of the office? Are they going to walk around and introduce me to my hygienist and my assistant? Everybody smiles. And then dentists don't let their staff talk. And, and it's a controlling, weird, negative uh, animal behavior that needs to go away. When my assistant... And I say, okay, well, you know, when I meet him and then we're going there, well, let's take some x-rays. 
um, Yoni's going to take some x-rays or Chris Kalors is. And uh, when, when Chris Kalors is taking the x-rays, even though she's a dental assistant, every time she takes the x-ray, I want her to tell the patient what they see because they trust Chris. Chris is a dental assistant. She doesn't drive a $100,000 car and live in a mansion. And they're going through everything. And then they go get the hygienist. The hygienist comes in and probes the gums while the assistant records them. And then the hygienist, she reads the x-rays. And then it's like, well, Howard, that's illegal. You can't have a dental assistant uh, read the x-rays. You can't have a hygienist read. Oh, shut up. There's not one hygienist in prison from reading an x-ray, you moron. I mean, there's a million people in jail for drugs, not reading dental x-rays. The hygienist reads the x-rays. The, the assistant will write it down. The assistant might question, say, well, you know, on that too, do, do you think that's a watch or do you think that's a go? And then this patient seeing both of these people looking at it and it's digital x-rays and digital x-rays and intro cameras are the most important thing because humans are visual in nature with eyes. They're not audio. Birds are audio. Birds know everything from sound and humans know everything from visual. It's like I go see you at a party and you tell me your name. And then when I'm leaving, I still know it's you, but I walk up to you and say, man, I'm sorry. What was your name again? And you say, hey, I know humans can't hang on to sounds, but I know you got an opposing thumb. Here's a business card because your opposing thumb can hang on to my card better than your ear can hold on to a sound and your eyes brought you to the right person. So then I come in. And I come in and, and it's all about relationships and it's all about talking to them. And humans are, it, it's so tricky. You mentioned Del Carney earlier. Like, like if someone says, well, is this your sense of hot and cold? And you say, yeah, it is sense of hot and cold. Then you say, well, sense of the bite down. Well, they don't even know if you heard them. You have to repeat. Then you say, it's sense of cold. Interesting. It's sensitive to cold. You got to keep repeating. You got to make eye contact. You got to shake their hand. I tell Dennis, when you go into your dental office, you're running for mayor. It's all about pressing the flesh and running for mayor. And a lot of dentists tell me, you know what, Howard? I just don't have that personality. Well, I don't care. Look at Hollywood. They got all these people who won Oscars. Do you think when these actors are being murderers and robbers and, and cowboys and shooting people, you think that's really them? No, I don't care what your personality is. But when you walk into your selling the invisible operation, you are going to put on your Hollywood hat and you're going to go in there and get an Oscar. And when I go and, and look, look at, look at these games. Like we just finished the world cup. I love the world cup. It's only every four years, like the Olympics, but look at those coaches. They're all involved. They're walking up and down the whole deal. We look going to a dental office. The dentist goes in there for an exam. The patient's upside down. He's got a mask and glass on. He does an exam. He speaks a lot of Latin and Greek. And then he's done. He goes back and into his private office and shut the door. How I walk my patient out to the front, it's a great chance to walk him out. If I'm running late, Valerie, say, Howard, uh, Mr. Jones out there, you're supposed to see him at 10, at 10, 15, and I'll walk out there all over. Oh, my God, I'm so sorry. I'm sorry, man. I got in over my head. I thought it was going to take me 10 minutes to do this filling, and then it turned into blah, 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 and they're, and they're always like, oh, it's all right, it's all right, and it, it's staying engaged. And then when you look at these million-dollar practices, what do you find? They all got staff that have been with them for 10, 15, 20 years. I had four people this week, four people this week that celebrated an anniversary of over 20 years. Uh, the, the new hygienist has been there nine years. 
And so when you come in and it's the same bat station, the same bat time, the same bat channel, everybody's the same, everybody's having fun, everybody has free to talk. Like if you take this iPhone I'm holding and you put on record and you go do an exam and you leave the room and you just leave the iPhone on the counter and hit record, first thing when you leave, they turn to the dentist and say, what did he say? Really, do you think I need a crown? And, and so if you can't sell your assistant, you're never going to sell the patient. If exactly. you can't sell your hygienist, I, I got hygienists to say all the time, well, I, I don't get it because he'll tell Margaret that she needs to redo this crown because of this open margin. And then he does the crown. And I say, well, should we redo that? Because isn't that open margin? And he says, you're not a doctor and leaves the room. So now when the patient says, do I need a crown? She turns to the hygienist and the hygienist rolls her eyes one time. There's your treatment plan acceptance out the door. So, it, I mean, so if I was a young associate, they'll tell me, well, Howard, I'm going back to Salina, Kansas. And there's two guys that are looking for an associate. Um, one pays 30% plus lab bill and the other one pays uh, 25%, but I don't have to pay the lab bill. Uh, what, what, which one should I do? I'm like, that, that's not even the right question. What if one dentist has had one wife for 30 years and all of his staff has been there 10, 20, 30 years, and then the other dentist on his third wife and no one's worked for him for longer than three years? What skill are you trying to learn? And they'll say, well, I'm going to take this job because he places implants. Placing implants, how a Chinese robot just placed the first implant without a human, and now there's a company in Florida that has an oral surgeon in New York and a periodontist in Florida that is also placing in. So, so you're going to try to learn a skill that's going to be done by an Uber driver. The only skill is relationship, selling the invisible. Right. I know I've been ranting for too long. No, no. I mean, I think you are touching on really, really interesting points. I mean, I'm a big fan of psychology because at the end of the day, every single client of yours is a human being. And if they don't feel heard, if they don't feel cared for, if they don't feel um, comfortable, they're not going to do anything. I mean, you can sit here and you can be the best guy on a piece of paper and have all your diplomas and everything else. But if, like you said, that you know, assistant or the hygienist doesn't believe in what you are, what you are suggesting and doesn't make, you know, show that belief in what you are recommending to the patient, nothing will convince them. So it goes back to one of Dr. Robert Cialdini. He wrote a book called Influence. I'm sure... You know, you, you have read. He this. lives up the street from me here in Phoenix, and he was one of my instructors at ASU. I need to get him uh, um, back over here. Uh, he's uh, he's a very interesting guy. Yeah, he's a very he's a genius. I mean, uh, this his books were published. Uh, you know, you know, I think uh, three million copies, thirty languages. <coughs> he's a he's a he's a genius when it comes to influencing people, and um, he talks about liking. Right, we tend to do business with those we like. Like you pointed out clearly, you know, people don't like the institution. I mean, they used to before we had the Internet. They liked big brands and people spent billions of dollars like PNG and everybody else. Now those companies are going bankrupt because they don't care. They, they, they care about human beings. They care about, you know, what other people like them think. You talked about reviews a lot. Um, and if, if somebody like them, like a hygienist like them or, you know, um, the dental assistant who, who has a lifestyle like them thinks it's a good idea. That's as powerful, if not more powerful than any big, you know, $10,000 ad you can buy because they trust what other people trust. Um, so 
you're touching on so many points. I mean, you talked about making them feel like a human being. You said you take them, you know, in like, like a human being, not this thing. And DSOs can't do that. It's a machine. You know, it's not, it's not, a, it's not a human being. Here you have an owner who's passionate about dentistry. Here you have a team that's inspired by the owner who has this growth mindset, who lives these ideas of, you know, creating a better world for himself, for his family, for his team and his patients. And those things come across. So anybody who sits here and says, oh, I am a loser, you know, life is going to suck. Of course, you're going to get more of that, right? The scarcity which you touched on. But anybody who says, you know, I'm living in the best time on the planet. <clears throat> As a small business, I can work on getting more positive reviews from my happy clients. As a small business, I can inspire my team to, you know, really care for the patients. And we all can learn. And, 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 and when you're in a dental office, every dental consultant I've ever met in my life, every single one of them, you're having dinner with them and they all say the one thing they all have in common is say, you know what, the first day I go in there and observe, and the first day I observe, I never heard one person ask for a referral or for a review. And then you go into these super amazing offices like a patient, like, oh man, I didn't even fill that shot. They just walk into a glass door and you say, oh my God, I wish you would write that on a Google review. Oh my God, please, please tell me you're going to write that on a Google review. You know, you just, you just, it's all in the setup. And then also when I'm checking out a patient, I mean, I mean, dentists will sit there and fly clear across the country to take a course on occlusion and, and studying occlusion. It's like world religion. It's like there's more different types of occlusion camps. I mean, you get a hundred pediatric dentists, they, but the only thing they argue on is silver diamine fluoride. You get a hundred endodontists, they don't argue on anything. You get a hundred oral surgeons, they don't argue on anything. But you go to a, 10 different occlusal camps and they all argue differently. And I say, well, you know what? For, instead of occlusion, think about this. How many people have to land on your website? If a hundred people land on your website, how many would convert and call your office? I don't know. Um, if a um, hundred people called your office, how many convert to a scheduled appointment? Uh, I don't know. If 100 people come in and just need one filling done, how many of them get treatment? I don't know. So, so they can't tell you anything about business, yet the average dentist in America is going to blend $750,000 and take home $175,000. And if they just fix anything on that funnel, then that's the dentist making a million five. And when these dentists always tell me, well, Howard, you don't understand, man. I'm out in the middle of nowhere, Oklahoma. And times are tough. I was having dinner with his dentist in a small town in Kansas when I was out there visiting my mom, and he's telling me, "Well, you don't understand. You know, there's not a lot of money out here, and, and the price of corn, and we ain't doing too good, and blah." And I said, "Okay, I'm looking out the Mexican restaurant. There's a circle, uh, a quick shop, a quick stop convenience store right across. How many cars in the parking lot?" And he said, seven. I said, "What are they all?" It was like five F-150 Ford pickup trucks and two F-250s. I said, there, those seven of the, five of those cars are 50 grand, and two of them are damn near 100 grand. And you tell me there's no money. <laughs> and then I look at the average American. The average American between the ages of 16 and 76 will buy 13 new cars. And the average new car will be 33,500. And if I go to any zip code in America, I find a dentist that every Friday does a big full mouth case. Maybe it's all on four. Maybe just taking everything out and redoing everything. So every Friday, 50 times a year, 
for a 30, 40 year career, he does a 10, 15, 20, 30, 40, $50,000 case. And the other 95% of all the dentists in the same zip code and every zip code in America will never do a single case with a median price of a new car, 33500 in their entire life. And then you go in there and you pull their 1,850 charts and you call every one of those people that are 75 years old or 50 years old and sure enough, they've bought 5, 10, you know, the average will buy 13 new cars. So I'll say, see, it's everybody's fault but you. So 100 people land on your website. You, how, you've got to measure that. And if only three people convert, I mean, can we change your website so that maybe six people convert and call? And then when they call your office, I mean, do you record the calls? If I call any serious business in America, the first thing he said is, this call may be recorded for training purposes. And then they call you up and do they answer, thank you for calling today, Dental. This is Valerie. How can I help you? And, you, and well, I, you know, how much is a crown? Wow. So why do you think you need a crown? And they start a relationship. Well, I just moved here from um, Kansas City and my dentist said I need a crown or this or that or, oh, my God, well, you know, you know where Safeway is at 48th and Elliott right there in Phoenix? You know where that Safeway is on the corners, Chase Bank, and there's the Pizza and the Walgreens? We're right there at today's dental. Wait, wait, just come on down. Come on down because you're asking how much a crown costs. I don't, I don't even know what kind of crown. I don't know what's going on, but just come on down right now. We have an emergency room. 8% of emergency room visits are odontogenic in origin because dental offices don't have emergency rooms. I've had an emergency room for 31 years, it's room four, and it, and it helps my assistants close because instead of saying, well, when can you come down? Well, I'm looking, I don't have anything today. How about Thursday at five? These humans are impulsive. Their tooth just broke. They think they need a crown or a root canal, and to convert, we say, come on down. And then dentists say, well, I'm busy. Then I say, well, what's your next biggest problem? No shows and cancellations. So for 31 years, about every time an emergency patient comes down, uh, someone else doesn't show or doesn't cancel or I'm hardworking. I mean, I, I come from a hardworking man. I'll work through lunch. I'll stay at the end of the day. I'll just get her done. And then sometimes you just catch the fish. Sometimes you just say, you know what? You're swollen. You know what I need to do? I need to put you on antibiotics for about 24 hours. Is there any way uh, I can put you on antibiotics and then you come back tomorrow at 10? And now they've met me. They've seen the staff. They've got the x-ray. We've shook in their hand. They, they, we, 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 we converted. But these dentists, they don't know the conversion rate from their website to their phones. They don't know the conversion rate from their phones to appointments. And then if I sit there and tell them, okay, 100 people come in. We're not talking about fancy bleaching, bonding veneers. We're just talking about restorative dentistry. What is your conversion rate? What is your close rate? They don't know. And I'll say, okay, so what are you going to do this weekend? Well, I'm going to get in an airplane and fly across the country and stay in a $350 resort and take a $3,000 course on, on just something that never freaking matters. Never, never matters. I mean, I do all of that. Um, me and my friends, we go to, I mean, I got my FAGD, my MAGD, my diplomat. I, I go there because I have the money and it's fun. They're going there trying to fix their broken office. And you're not going to fix your, I mean, imagine if I said to you, well, this restaurant's going bankrupt. Well, I know what to do. They don't have lasagna. I'm going to fly them out across the country to a restaurant chef resort of some big chef that's on TV. And you're going to learn how to make lasagna because when we go back and we add this amazing lasagna, well, nobody would think that was smart. It'd be like a wheat farmer going out of business and you say, we well, you know what your problem is. You don't, you don't grow soybeans. So let's plow up half the wheat and go halfway down. If you can't make money on wheat, 
You can't make money on soybeans. Same thing on a restaurant. It's not the menu. It's your house is not in order. And I always tell them to get their damn house in order. But you know why they like CE? Because their house is a disaster. Their house is a stress. And they can't wait for Thursday night to come when instead of going home and dealing with their family and their crying kids and their messed up office, they get to get an airplane, leave the city, go stay in a resort, go sit by the swimming pool and drink and, 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 justify the whole thing that they're learning occlusion or something and what they should do is say look your house is on fire you need to stay here this weekend and you need to get your house in order and if you get your house in order you're not going to be stressed off you're not going to want to fly three thousand miles to learn implantology when you got a periodontist i mean gosh i'm uh, i'm almost an alcoholic with all the people that taught me how to do root canals fillings and crowns so uh you know it's just so simple one thing I want to touch on, Howard, you hit on a very, very important point. I'll give you an example. So we do digital marketing. We do 18 things for a client. And this one particular client, she loves graphics. So she spends all her time telling us about the pink she didn't like in the social media graphic. So one day I had a chat with her and I told her, Did you realize, do you realize that this is just 2% of your success? You're putting 100% of your time in 2% of your success and ignoring the other 98% of your success. But she got it. She realized as human beings, we have a tendency to kind of go and hide in areas we are comfortable with. You know, we have been going to school all of our lives. I mean, dentists too. So, hey, let me go and hide in a course and learn some new skill. And like you said, or the new lasagna dish or whatever else it is. And we tend to not go out of our comfort zone and kind of do things perhaps we didn't, nobody taught us to do. But if you look at, like you said, the people who you have known for 30 years who are very successful, many of them use common sense. You know, they have this abundance mindset. The world is awesome. I'm awesome. My team is awesome. My patients are awesome. How can I help them create more abundance in their lives? A patient, a better smile, better health, a team member who's happier and more satisfied. And like you asked a very valid question, do you want to be the guy with the third marriage and the, you know, the 10th receptionist? Or do you want to be the person who, who's still married to the same person and who still has relationship with his kids and his grandkids and, you know, has people who have been with you for a long time and your family? So, but I think- You know, I want to give you another stat. You know, you know the, uh, the biggest state in America is Alaska. And if you cut it in half, each half would be bigger than Texas. I want to give you an orthodontic example because that specialty, if you cut the number of 10,800 orthodontists in half, each half would be bigger than the second biggest of uh, oral surgeons and third periodontists. I mean, they're just huge. And I want to give you an abundance example on orthodontics. In every major city, what I have found, um, there's, you know, when Invisalign came out and hell, Invisalign, if you don't think you can do Invisalign, well, the company, uh, Align Technology, uh, they just bought 17% of Smiles Direct Club. They're starting to open up malls where somebody who's not even a dental assistant scans your mouth and they're making trays in Costa Rica and sending them directly to the patient. So Invisalign doesn't even think, not only can a general dentist do it, they think you don't need to be an orthodontist or a general dentist or even be employed in dentistry. So the point is, when Invisalign starts coming out, a lot of general dentists start doing it because, I mean, you just scan it, you send it in, they're making the trays, and a lot of orthodontists got visibly upset at study clubs. Uh, they were being nasty to some of the referring dentists and blah, blah, blah. And in every city, somebody thought in hope, growth, and abundance. thought, you know what? These guys are going to do it. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to set up a study club, and I'm going to tell all the dentists in my county, hey, I know you guys are doing Invisalign, 
But I just want you to know that every Thursday, when we close at 5 o'clock, we're going to have a weekly Thursday night study club on Invisalign. So bring in your cases, bring in the staff, you know. Um, you know, you can get in trouble if it's, you know, a long, an open face, a class three, you know, just I don't want you to get in trouble. So they start building all the skills. The guy who did it the best was, uh, oh, my God, what's his name in uh, Sydney, Australia? Um, well, what's the big uh, uh, guy? Anyway, he started doing that. And he went from him having an orthodontic practice. So now he has one in north, south, east, west Sydney. Each one of his offices has four associate orthodontists. He's doing like $10 million a year uh, per location. I mean, I mean, just, just the biggest guy out there. So again, it's thinking and hope goes in abundance. So what does that, what does that orthodontist do? Now he has a relationship. Now every Thursday night, general dentists who refer cases, and you might do an Invisalign case, so you're not going to do a class two, you're not going to do a class three. You might just be doing adults. You might need to want to do kids. I know a lot of these orthodontists tell me, well, you know, this guy, Craig, you know, he decided he was going to get into ortho. So he, so he did an ortho curriculum and he took, um, he took, uh, uh, Brock Rondo, and then he took another one, and he got really into ortho. Then after two or three years, he just realized he didn't like it. He'd rather be doing Crown and Bridge. He's making more money with implants still. And he came to me one day, and he says, my God, I just don't know. I don't know what to do. I mean, I've got uh, 50 cases going. And the orthodontist said, you know what? Just transfer them all to me. They've already paid one. Just, just transfer. I'll finish them all for you. Well, that was probably 25 years ago. Guess where Craig has sent every single one of his ortho cases ever since to this day? To that same orthodontist because that guy, and then I saw in my backyard, it was, it almost made me cry. This, in, in, the, in the 2009 crash, uh, 86 dental offices um, went under and um, probably three or four of these dentists were in my front room crying and it was just, it was just a mess. I mean, it was just crazy. One of them was an orthodontist. And an orthodontist right up the street from me went under, and everybody was like, uh, and then the, everybody was freaking out because they had all these patients in the middle of treatment, and they didn't know what to do, and they were all uh, stressed, and it became, you know, it could be a board issue because abandoning patients is, is like the number one crime with the board, and they could take your life away. And this one orthodontist, he's the sweetest guy in the world, he said, you know what, hey, 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 this, this whole thing sucks transfer all the patient's record, I'll finish everyone on for free. Hell, it made the Awatuki newspaper. Everybody in Awatuki knew about it. Everybody, you know, he got flowers and cards. He still has people coming in today saying that was so sweet because that orthodontist was there for 30 years. And when the economy tanked, I mean, America, Phoenix is one of the biggest home building cities in America in 2009, 50,000 boys in home building got laid off. I mean, we really took a knee in 2009 and now it's 10 years later and that orthodontist is an Awatuki hometown hero no one will ever ever forget that and it's thinking in hope growth and abundance it's not thinking in fear and scarcity hell if you need to learn endo you need to just walk across the street and tell your endodontist you want to learn endo and he's either going to be a fear-mongering weirdo and you need to just just know that and then you never deal with that again because you're only going to be a summary of your five best friends. That's another problem I have with these dentists at DSOs. They're sitting there with four or five dentists, and they all bitch about their student loans. They all bitch about how dentistry sucks, and it was so much easier when, you know, 30 years ago, and Howard graduated in the golden years, and they're graduating in the poop years. And, and you hang around with five people like that, 
you're going to eventually believe it. You hang around with five people that are going to set the world on fire and are running for mayor and want to build the best damn dental office this town's ever seen and educate, you know, same thing in continuing education. 80% of all the dentists that take CE, they go by themselves to save money. And then 20% show up there with their whole staff. It's like the right side of the room is all individual dentists. The left side of the room, every row is the dentist, the spouse, the hygienist, the assistant, everybody. Well, if you went and pulled their financial statements, everyone on the right's making about taking home about seven fifty, and everybody on the left's taking home about a million five. So they basically make twice as much money because they know the key. The key is that your assistant, receptionist, everybody's on board. Everybody can answer questions. Everybody can make a relationship and bond. In fact, the richest dentist at CE, you always know who the richest dentist in the room is because his staff came and took up three rows, and the dentist didn't come. He's out golfing. I mean, that's genius. I mean, I've also noticed that the doctor who runs his own staff meeting, they usually do about 750, and the staff just sit there, and just like they can't diagnose or read or ask questions, they just sit there, um, you know, just staring into space. And the dentists who don't go to their staff meeting and let their office manager run, and now the staff's more engaged, they can talk more, they feel safer, more freedom, um, getting engaged, less turnover, and that transfers into long-term, if you can't, Keep a long-term relationship with your spouse or your staff. You're never going to keep a long-term relationship with patients. And let me tell you something weird about dentistry. You go into any dental office. This guy's been there 40 years, from age 25 to 65. He's had some great marketing company like you, giving him 20, 30, 40 new patients a month. And, and what does he need after 40 years? He still needs new patients. And you sit there and you say, dude, your hygienist, if she works 40 hours a week, 50 she works 2,000 hours a year. I mean, she can clean 1,000 people's teeth twice a year. So at 25 new patients a month, every three to four years, you should have had another hygienist. And you've had, and you still only have one hygienist four days a week for 40 years, which means every single time you gave her a new patient, as sure as gravity, someone had to come off. Why are these people coming off? And a lot of times when I'm checking out the patient, Valerie will hold the phone and say, hey, hang on just a second. And, and I'll be up there and she goes, Howard, um, this is a new patient on the phone. And he's asking a lot of um, technical questions about this. Is there any chance you could talk to him? Absolutely. Hello, this is Howard Friend. I'm the dentist here. I've been here 30 years. How may I help you? And then he starts talking and talking. And then I'm going right for clothes. I'm, I'm, every time I can, I say, well, you know what? Where are you? I mean, well, first of all, if you're on an iPhone, just FaceTime me. Because if you FaceTime me, I can see it. Then they can see me. I can see them. They hold it to their mouth. Or if they're on a damn Android, um, I'll just say, well, you know, just come down. I'm going to be here till 5 o'clock. When, when can you come down? I mean, this will make so much more sense to me if I can just see it. I won't charge you a dime. I just want to look in there and see it. It's all about closing. Same thing about ultimate extreme referrals. When I get done with every patient for 30 years, I've been saying, hey, you know, I fixed you up. You know, I haven't had I haven't had to see the dentist forever. I can't even remember the last time I used them. You know why? Because I see the hygienist and I do whatever the hygienist says. So you know, these hygienists, when they're 65, they have all their teeth. But in America, at 65, 10 percent have zero teeth, 20 percent have lost half, and by 75, 20 percent have lost all their teeth, and 40 percent have lost half. So if you do what the hygienist says, I'll never see you again. So and then I'll return my card. I said, do you think um, there's anybody that might like coming in and seeing me and Yoni here? I mean, do you know anybody? 
And they will say, yeah. And I said, well, can I give you a card? Or like, how many people do you know that do that? I mean, how come I can ask that and you can't ask that? And now it's even more extreme. I said, I love this. I love iPhones. I hate, I hate Samsung and Android because um, they, they have FaceTime. And every time I see an iPhone, I say, hey, how many contacts are in your iPhone? And they're, how many contacts? I, I don't know. Well, just open up your contacts. And you scroll down the bottom. It tells you how many you are. Girls probably have twice as many than guys. And she'll sit there and she'll laugh and she says, wow, I, I have 174. And I said, surely, surely there's one person in there that you know needs to see a dentist. Probably haven't been to the dentist in two or three years. Needs to see me and Yoni. Can, who would it be? And a lot of times I'll say, oh, my God. Sunday, we was at my mother-in-law's place, and my uncle, and my, my brother-in-law, Ed, oh my, he couldn't even eat. He was kind of swollen. I said, is Ed in your iPhone? Yeah, FaceTime him. And they start giggling and laughing, and the next thing you know, she FaceTimes Ed, and Ed's like, hey, what happened? She goes, you're not going to believe it. So anyway, I'm at the dentist, and I was telling them that Sunday, you couldn't eat at Ma's place because your moves are swollen, and my dentist wants to talk to you. And I just start laughing, Ed, what's wrong with your tooth? And he's like, oh, my God, it's killing me. It hurts. And I'll say, well, well, show me. And he'll pull back his, his mouth, and he'll iPhone in there. And I'll say, dude, you got to come in. When do you want to come in? I call that an extreme rule. Everybody's laughing. Everybody's having fun. Same thing with girls make 95% of all dental appointments. So when they come in the office, you know, in most offices, you give them a toothbrush for free at the end of the cleaning because all they did is showed up. But you can sit out to the front with the gift cards, Starbucks, movie deals, whatever, and say, hey, if you check in at today's dental on your Facebook page, uh, you can have this or that, and, uh, and they'll start laughing. And then a lot of times the patients will check in. So now you're a girl. you got 150 friends following you on Facebook. Half of America didn't go to the dentist last year. And right now they just thought, oh, my God, my friend Amanda just checked in at today's dental. So then she might be thinking, I, I need a dentist. I wonder if he's a good. So then they'll text Amanda. And then, and then, and then you could even follow it. She goes, oh, absolutely. I, and, and, and don't ask a referral if they didn't walk into it. If they said, hey, no, it's the least I can do. I love this place. And, and just repeat what they said. Oh, my God. She just said, I love this place. Will you do a Facebook review and say, I love my place. I love this place. And a lot of times they just say, I, I don't even know how. And then you can just stand up and show them. But it's all about fun. It's about getting people to secrete endomorphin, serotonin, and dopamine and keeping them out of fight or flight. Because once they've secreted adrenaline, noradrenaline, any fight or flight, they're not going to give you money. They're not going to refer. They're not going to come back. So it's all about keeping the dopamine rush flowing from when they call, from when they come in, when they see the hygienist, the assistant, the dentist. And if you keep the dopamine flowing, you should be the dentist collecting a million and a half, taking home 350 or four, and not the average dentist collecting 750, taking home a buck 75. Right. And like you said, both have the same qualifications, same everything. Howard, I, I would love to continue this. Would you have some time maybe for us to do a part two at some point? Uh, do a what? A part two, like a, you know, episode two. Oh, a part two? Absolutely, man. It's an honor to be a part of uh, what you're doing. I love what you're doing. Just like not thinking of pure scarcity. Like some dentists, I, I, I'll invite them to, you know, write an article. They don't tell them, like, well, I write for another dental magazine. It's like, dude, 
like like dentists don't read all the dental magazines. I mean, you. I mean, it's like when I was in MBA school, I read Forbes, Fortune, Inc. I mean, nobody thought in fear and scarcity. And I, I I love what you're doing. Anybody who helps a dentist is my homie, is my friend, and I'll do anything to support anyone who's helping my homies. Thank you very much, uh, Dr. Fred. If people want to, you know, follow you, what are some of the websites and links you want me to share with them? Dentaltown.com, baby. I uh, download the app. It's for free. It's an amazing app. Uh, and, you know, I post 15 times a day on that thing. And, um, and, and it's one of those deals where uh, you can be anonymous. You can't be anonymous on Facebook. So it's the perfect place to ask a stupid question. A lot of guys want to ask a question, but they don't want to do it on Facebook because they don't want, want everybody to know that Dr. Charles E. Smith III on the corner of First Street in Maine is wondering why his root canal fell. But you can get on Dentaltown and you can be smiles or us and, and, and ask a stupid question. And everybody's there for fun. And if they're not fun, we've got to report abuse button. And we've banned someone probably once a month for, for 20 years because um, a lot of people say, well, it's freedom of speech. No, that's between you and the government. This is my house. It's my party. And if you're having a party at my house and you start being an asshole to one of my guests, I'm going to ask you to leave. So join Dentaltown. I mean, to imagine that your smartphone has an app that has a quarter million dentists in your pocket. And there's no question you could ask that Odie has an app. Like say, say somebody comes in and says, um, you know, you should switch from this to electric hand pieces. Boom. I mean, there's already a hundred threats on it. Or if your hygienist comes in and asks for a raise and you're, and you're like late paying your bills, um, you know, just type in your exact question and there's already been a hundred people talking about it. And it's just a, uh, it's just a beautiful thing. I'm so proud of Dentaltown. Uh, but yeah, just join Dentaltown.com and then all other social media, just add Howard Brand. And my email is Howard at Dentaltown.com. I answer all of my own emails. Perfect. Thank you very much, Howard. I, I so much enjoyed our conversation today and I really want to appreciate you for your abundance mindset where you shared so much in, in such a short well, time. Well, same back at you. We just had the mutual admiration club and we'll be the only two members. <laughs> Thank you, Howard. <laughs> All right, buddy. Have a rocking hot day. Absolutely. Thank you very much, everyone, for listening. I really appreciate uh, everyone's time today. And please follow Howard. We will include all of his links he just mentioned, along with the call notes. And we will be creating lots of videos, graphics, lots of fun stuff from this podcast. So thank you, Howard. And thank you, everyone. Have a wonderful day.